Top of the morning to you, Four Oaks people. Pastor Paul here on a Wednesday morning. Let's see here. Yep, August 23rd. Can't you feel fall approaching? Can't you feel the cool, crisp fall air? Yeah, me neither. But it is about that time. So sporting my, my UT big orange colors just for fun. I don't usually do this and contaminate God's word on a, on a, on a weekday morning during these pastoral devotionals by being partisan like this, but just kind of felt it this morning. That has nothing to do with anything. Thanks for being here. We take about 15 minutes, Monday through Friday, every week to preview the sermon for the upcoming Sunday. Um, we do this in order not just to dispense theological information, but to really exegete the passage together, to pull it apart, where, Lord willing, it gives you some tools for your own uh, study of the Scriptures, and it also helps me think about the passage strategically uh, that we're going to be preaching on for that upcoming Sunday. So, of course, we are in Matthew chapter 9. And one of the things that we've been talking about that's important for biblical interpretation is that we understand what comes before a passage and what comes after. Because after all, when the scripture writers wrote the scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit, they didn't have chapter and, and verse divisions. Uh, these were written as one cohesive document. And so while there are certain subject matters and certain sections, of course, just like there would be in a letter that you and I would write, or reading a biography, um, nonetheless, there is a, there's a cohesiveness we want to preserve. And we're in Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13, and where we've been is that we have seen Jesus heal a paralytic. And he does this to use it as an occasion to establish his authority, not just over sin and disease as the Son of God, the King of Kings, but in fact, his authority to forgive sins. Which raises the question, well, yes, Jesus, you can forgive sins, but who needs to be forgiven? How can someone be forgiven? How does this whole forgiveness thing work? And it's to that that Matthew now records, Matthew 9 through 13, we're taking a deep dive into forgiveness. So let's read the passage and let's continue to, to unpack it together. Verse 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let me get my swig of my cup of joe here. The first thing that Matthew does is that he indiscreetly inserts himself into the story and, and talks about his own conversion, his own decision to follow Jesus. And we talked about this yesterday, where, of course, the tax collector was the most unpopular man in town. He was a turncoat. He was a traitor. He was someone who was defiled. He was not allowed in the synagogue. And by Matthew discreetly inserting himself, and by the way, he doesn't humble brag. 
He doesn't talk about how he invited Jesus to his house and that Jesus reclined at his table. And then Matthew in turn uses this as a platform to show um, that he in fact has been um, received into the company of Jesus. Matthew doesn't even mention his own name, doesn't mention that it's his house. The other scripture writers do this, of course. But it's almost as if Matthew doesn't want the attention to be on himself, which is exactly what it is. But there's an implicit message there, right? And it's simply this. Anyone can be forgiven, even someone like Matthew, right? And, and that, that's the implicit message in the first verse. Well, this implicit message now becomes explicit, okay? And what we see here, and now we're into the heart of the passage, is that Matthew has invited over this, um, gosh, what would we call it? An island of misfit toys, right? Tax collectors and sinners. The, the, that's, that was kind of a, a religious phrase for anyone who was sort of outside the people of God, even if they were Jewish. These were prostitutes. These were tax collectors. These were the proverbial drug dealers. These were the leader of gangs. I'm, I'm only slightly joking here. These were people who were ritually defiled, cut off from the people of God, cut off from the temple, cut off from the synagogue. And Matthew has invited them over. Now, of course, the Pharisees are peering into this and they're wanting to know what gives, okay? Um, if Jesus is this great prophet, is this great teacher, is this great Jewish prophet teacher, which of course he is, then why would he be eating with tax collectors and sinners? And remember, in that culture, to eat with was not just... Um, you know, throwing down a McDonald's Happy Meal on the way to ballet practice, right? Um, eating with someone was an intimate affair. It was, it was bringing someone into your home and sitting around your table and being vulnerable and caring for someone and showing hospitality. And this is why David um, is always talking about his, how his enemies were treacherous against him because they sat around his table and broke bread. Now they're trying to to kill him. So this idea of, of receiving someone into your home and sharing a meal was much more than just a culinary practice, right? It was a, it was a communal practice. It was a religious practice. And here the Pharisees are trying to evaluate who Jesus is and they see him hanging out with all of these, all the riffrafts of that society. And, and the reason that they are offended is they don't believe that these are candidates um, to be children of God. These are, I mean, because they are sinful and undefiled in every way. They, and it doesn't make sense in their minds that Jesus would be hanging out with them because these are people beyond the reach of God as they are currently situated, okay? So, so that's, that's kind of what's happening, right? And of course, the reason the, the Pharisees would say that anyone is in good standing with God, with God is because of, of what they do, because of, of, of the fact that they are um, worshiping God and offering sacrifices and obeying his commandments and holding up Torah and those sorts of things. So, 
So all this is happening, and they ask this question, um, when, and then Jesus retorts in, in verse 12. It's such an obvious retort. But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Okay. Now, it's, it's, it's a very obvious illustration. Um, we get it, right? If you told me today that you were going to the doctor, I would say, what's wrong? What's happening? How are you feeling? Are you sick? What's hurting? Have you broken something? I mean, I, I would assume something is amiss. People don't go to the doctor just to hang out and share a cup of coffee um, in their office. You are there to do business, right? To get drugs, to be seen, to be examined. And Jesus, on one hand, agrees with the Pharisees that, yes, these are people who are ritually defiled. They are, I hate to use this expression, scum of the earth. They're the, the religious riffraff. Of course, I agree with you, Jesus seems to be saying. However, okay, aren't those people the very people who need the forgiveness of God the most, right? And of course, Jesus has just said, I'm, I'm, I'm the forgiver of sins. And so as a doctor, as a spiritual doctor, I'm going to go where sins are needed to be forgiven. The pe reason people are coming to me is not because they are well, but because they are sick, right? So of course I'm gonna go and, and by the grace of God, shine the light of God's grace and forgiveness into this dark morass of people. And what was implicit with Matthew now becomes very explicit with the rest of this crew, which is simply this. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what life you've led, you are not beyond the reach of God's grace and mercy and forgiveness. In fact, a better way to say it would be anyone can be forgiven. Anyone. And there's a part of us that when we hear that, there, there's, there's immense relief, right? Because let's be honest, all of us are much more wicked and hard-hearted and deceitful than anyone else in the world knows. We, we know it because we're, we live in ourselves, right? But no one else knows it, and we're terrified of anyone. Know, but, but, but we're well in tune, right? And so on one hand, that comes as a great word of good news and a great word of peace. On the other hand, it can be offensive, right? Wait a minute. Are you saying Hitler could have been forgiven? Are you saying the worst child abuser, serial killer, um, schemer, person who has swindled people out of money, who's exploited others for their own benefit? Are, are you saying, Pastor Paul, that such people can be forgiven. And I'm saying, I'm not saying it, Jesus is saying it. And that's the point of contention here, that the Pharisees thought these people were beyond God's love, God's grace. In fact, they didn't even think of those in those terms. They were beyond the holiness of God, the presence of God. Now, we're going to talk tomorrow, okay, about what had led them to that place, okay? And it was, it was some faulty theology. But for right now, what we don't want to run past is this idea that wherever we happen to be, whatever sin we happen to be entrapped in, 
whatever difficulty we're experiencing, what, whatever way sin has creeped upon us, whatever besetting sin that we feel like we're constantly battling, is that anyone can be forgiven of their sins and receive the mercy of God on one condition, right? You have to recognize that you need the mercy and the grace of God. The mercy and grace of God through Jesus Christ is available to all of us in spades, infinite, eternal spades, if we simply recognize that we need it and ask for it. And let that be an encouragement uh, for you wherever you are in your personal walk today, whatever you're wrestling with, struggling with. But let it also be a point of meditation as we think um, to tomorrow's lesson where we understand what the greatest obstacle was for the Pharisees receiving the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God. All right, let's pray. Lord, we're not beyond your mercy and grace, but show us our need for it. Lord, we can't be healed um, unless we know we're sick. So, Father, um, we, we know that there's no other name under heaven or earth by which men will be saved except Jesus Christ, and so it's to him we run today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow morning.